Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, where in a single moment you can recognize your brilliance and change your life. This is a transformational hour that covers an array of topics that demonstrate how individuals use their native talents, of course as shown in their name, to look at the ordinary in extraordinary ways. Albert Einstein once said that everybody's a genius. Why would one of the smartest people on the planet declare that everyone is a genius unless he knew that to be true? I'm your host, Sharon Lynn Wyatt, creator of Namology Science and author of Know the Name, Know the Person. And in each weekly show, you'll hear the fascinating ways other people discovered the genius in them and what they were able to accomplish. At the end of each show, you'll hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. All over the world, people have many, many diverse interests. And in that vein, people have asked about different occupations, areas of life that have highly interested them. People want to know how highly successful people have managed to achieve their genius mindset by utilizing the gifts that are seen in their name using nameology science. So how does someone express those creative talents and how does someone share those gifts with others in such a way that everybody benefits? Our expert tonight is Alan Eisenberg, who has developed his genius in the area of helping people emotionally recover from being bullied. Alan Eisenberg is a certified life, solutions-focused, and transformational coach with a niche in self-esteem building and personal growth, particularly in the area of bullying and abuse recovery. He's also the author of two books, A Ladder in the Dark, His Memoir, and Crossing the Line, a cautionary tale about use of bullying. Alan is also the owner of Bullying Recovery, a company that helps long-term survivors of bullying learn to overcome the long-term effects bullying and abuse, you know, causes in their lives so that they can thrive in their life again. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You radio show, Alan. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate that. That was a a lengthy uh, introduction to uh, what I do, but <laughs> but uh, I'm sure as we get into it, it'll it'll be more simplified, hopefully, by what we talk about. So I want to know what happened in your life that caused you to want to have to help people that have been bullied. What got you into well, this? Well, you know, yeah, I, I like I like to tell people, you know, that that most people who find you know their passion, it it comes with the cost of having the experience, and and whatever that may be. And, and for me, of course, you know, it was a, a youth of, of being bullied uh, from six to 13, you know, pretty much on a regular basis and how, you know, I, how it had changed me. And it took me, uh, you know, about 20 years to figure all that out. <laughs> I, I kind of knew it. Um, I was one of those people that's uh, very in tune with my emotions and, um, so I knew that, that, that had affected me. I just didn't know how to express it or how to have that come out. So, um, you know, fast forward 20 years, I'm in, I'm in my mid thirties and life is not going the way I want it to. And I still have these feelings that I've been expressing for 30 years now and, I decided to start a little website that uh, to put them on, you know, just to kind of write them out because I felt like uh, a couple things had happened and, and I felt like, you know, the kids needed to know that adults experience this. I think as, as most of us as parents who, who have been parents, like if our kids are bullied, we don't, 
we don't ever go, oh, yeah, that happened to me, too. We just kind of go, oh, that's too bad, or we fight for them within the school. But, you know, the truth is 80% of us have been bullied. You know, that's that's the facts. And so I just said, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to put it out on the Internet. And so in 2007, so about three years before the media really caught on, I had started a website called Bullying Stories, put my stories out there thinking that that was going to be cathartic. And it was to some extent. Um, But what I didn't see coming was all the people sending me their stories and then the research and then the facts that the studies were starting to be done and that now it had a name called complex PTSD and that's what I was experiencing. And uh, that's what I had been experiencing for 30 years. And this little site that I was just working on from my home ended up with 1.4 million visitors and oh my. the town where the bullying had happened called me up and wanted me to speak. And I, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't go back. And that's when I knew sort of, I needed to get help. I needed to, to do my healing, um, which I did. And that's what I chronicled in my, in my memoir. And then after I healed, I realized that that was really the passion, the passion I, I wanted to do was to help others, realize the same thing and not so, go through hopefully what I went through. <laughs> so how did you transform what you learned from your own recovery into becoming a certified coach to help others? Right. And, and, and so that's what I really learned the most is that we, we had to vocalize and then we had to let go or, or actually I, I say we accept. And so as I started studying and I had, I had gone through, you know, the whole mental health gambit and what I, what I knew needed to happen was this idea of, okay, you're healed. You go through your healing, but how do you get back on the road of your, your self-esteem recovery to getting to do the things you want? And so that, you know, that's the same point where I'm realizing my passion of, of wanting to help others and do this. And, and so I I said, you know, this is what, that's what coaching is. You know, ultimately coaching has become this third tier of, of what, of what, what is mental health uh, support and continuation, which, you know, starts with psychiatry and you have therapy. And then once you, once you're done with the therapist, what I discovered is there was no, while we've had coaching around for a while, you know, it wasn't really thought of as this next step because a therapist gets you out of sort of your, your past and your future worries, right? Your past, you need to, to accept that, and then you need to. So no one was taking you to the next place you wanted to be, and that's what coaches do. Does and forgiveness so, have anything to do with the healing process, forgiveness of oh, self and forgiveness of others? Yeah. You know, I, I think the biggest lesson, you know, is – is within this 30-year period that I was basically living this this life of of regret of this bullying and the, the suffering that I was going through, I was the bully, you know. So, so yeah, certainly at the end of the day, forgiveness is huge. And not only forgiving the bullies, because, you know, I've been lucky enough because I'm out there talking about it to have, to have, reconciled with some of them and discovered, you know, they're just human beings 
and they had their own things going on. And and I've had many say, I'm sorry to me. And I've said, I'm sorry to some people because bullying isn't black and white. But the, the biggest person I say I'm sorry to is myself. And, and that's because I was beating myself up. I was the one who ultimately was was allowing myself to be to be this person. And I think that's something we have to realize is at some point, you know, the, the scary thing isn't there anymore. And then we've absorbed that into our life. And we don't tell ourselves, you know, I'm sorry about all this. And, and I'm, you know, I'm sorry it happened and, and to let go in our own lives. So I think forgiveness is a, is a huge part of that. So, so do, do you think that more sensitive people are the ones that are bullied or picked on first and then they become, some of them choose to become bullies just simply as self-defense? I think it's, uh, that's, you, you hit the nail on the head. In fact, um, you know, I've, I've more recently as I've continued on my journey, because journeys don't end and, and we, we take new journeys, you know, I've discovered sort of, you know, I was doing a little bit of analysis. Why was I picked on? What is it about me? Why, why am I so sensitive? Because even my wife would tell you I'm sensitive. My kids would tell you I'm sensitive. And it's because I'm a highly sensitive person, which is about 20% of the people in the world are highly sensitive, which is somewhat saying you're empathic. And not empathic in reading minds, but empathic in um, recognizing that there's things going on, people are giving off sort of, uh, you know, a vibe or a feel. And, you know, it's what a lot of us call our first impression, right? You meet someone and you just go, oh, this person, I think. And, and in my whole life, I've always done that and been pretty much right. But what's very interesting in, in studying highly sensitive people, and Elaine Aaron is the expert in the field who has written books on it, so it's not, not things I'm making up here, um, is that all, all animals are highly sensitive, all, you know, what we would think of as, you know, other animals like dogs, cats, you know, it's, I always tell people, I'm like, it's a pretty simple story, right? Um, you're sick. And if you have an animal like a dog or cat, you're laying in bed, you're not feeling well. And that, that animal will come up and put its head under your arm or do something like, you know, do, do anything to try to make you feel good because it senses these things. And that's the same thing we're doing as humans in our high sensitivity. So we end up being very, you know, people who are highly sensitive end up uh, with with a couple of, of telltale signs, which are really interesting. Okay, One I want you to hold that they, thought. I want you to hold that thought <laughs> of the telltale signs. Okay. And because uh, okay. we need to take a break, stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard on xzbn.net and Exxon Radio Station and knowthename.com. After the break, we're going to find out what Alan's name means. Stay tuned.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Gwilda Wiaka's latest book, The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is the first book in a series based on her writings that open every episode of the Science of Magic radio show. Drawing on the subject matter of each guest and armed with over 40 years experience in shamanism, 35 years in alternative health, and degrees in psychology and religious studies, Wilda introduces relevant and leading-edge information that supports spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Rich with wisdom and inspirational quotes packaged in digestible segments, this is a book that will pull you from cover to cover. It will also serve as a daily inspirational reading for years to come. The Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is available at our website, tsompublications.com, amazon.com, and wherever fine books are sold. Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible, and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Our guest tonight is Alan Eisenberg, who assists individuals recover from having been bullied. His website is bullyingrecovery.org. And I really want to point out that it's a .org because we don't get many .orgs on this show. <laughs> so it's bullyingrecovery.org. So right before the break, Alan, you were talking to us about the telltale signs. Yeah, and so going going back, you know, the you you had brought up a good point, which is about our 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 bully victims, and even maybe the bullies highly sensitive, or is there a sensitivity? So so the telltale signs of being highly sensitive are are interesting, like relationships with animals, which sounds weird. I'm not saying it in a weird way, but but that you know. Do, I've never had a bad experience with an animal. In fact, I've had some really unique experiences with animals like, 
you know, being at, at like SeaWorld where you're at the dolphin pool and they're all going around and this one stops in front of me and puts its belly up and I'm rubbing its belly. And then, of course, all the people surround me and they, they want to do it. Or I went in a pen once with with, a, with wolves and, and uh, it was five of us. And this one wolf starts rubbing my face really hard and, and I'm like really scared. <laughs> and the woman's like, oh, it's scenting you. It's scenting you. I'm like, well, what's that? Well, it's, you know what wolves are pack animals and it's putting its scent on me to say to the other wolves, Hey, he's with me. And, and these are just two weird experiences that highly sensitive people tend to have. The other one that's a real key is music or, you know, the arts, but mainly music. Like when you hear a song that maybe is from your youth or something, do you get goosebumps or like I would go to concerts and literally when the band walked out and, and there was all this emotion in the audience, I would be crying, you know, and get goosebumps. And that there was actually an article on it now. Like, yeah, this is what happens with highly sensitive people. See, and I so, wouldn't cry or get goosebumps. I'd want to get up and go dance in the aisles. My mother said she could never take me to a concert because I couldn't stay seated. Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, the music moves well, through your a, body and you got to move that's too. <laughs> That's a different topic. I have that, but, 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 you know, so, so as I started to study this thing about high sensitivity, of course, the sensitivity also, you know, anything with a yin has a yang and the yang is of course, someone says something to you, it hurts and you, you show emotion. Well, that's exactly what a bully wants, right? They want a reaction. So if you're not being bullied because of your race, your religion, your creed or some other reason, you know, then there's this, the sensitive kids, right? The kids who are going to react because there's, there's interesting studies about kids who are called natural negotiators. And while they may get bullied, they don't have any problem with it. You know, so the, the, so all these interesting studies are coming out. And the one that, that piqued my interest the most was this high sensitivity because it didn't go away. It doesn't go away. You know, my wife will say something to me, and it'll still affect me emotionally. If I'm in a crowded room, I'm overwhelmed. You know, all the, the other things that go with being highly sensitive. So what is interesting, and, and you mentioned, that falls on the bullies too. You know, the interesting thing about bullies and, and, bull, and the, the bullying victims is that they're, they're not that far apart. <laughs> yeah. Down the line, they have the same characteristics until you get to like one point and that's in, in sort of that abuse at home and that overpowering or, or some other troubles that they have, but self-esteem, the bullies don't have any self-esteem. You know, that's why they're bullying. You know, these, these other things they're, they're all tied together. And oh, I think that's what I've learned now in talking to some, some of the my childhood bullies is that they were really dealing with a lot of stuff themselves and they don't remember anything they did to me not a one of them <laughs> they, you know how discouraging were, right so well well it is to me because you know of course in my mind they were these monsters but to them you know they were dealing with stuff at home you know they were dealing with you know drug right. abuse and then, or, and then it just or acts out i i know from right. all of my years in that classroom um I felt it was very obvious to see who was having problems at home, you know, and your heart. And, and that's what I always say. Okay. I, I, I say this all the time. It's really interesting, which is 
you know, what if we took an uh, emotional attendance at school as we take a physical attendance? Uh, that would be really interesting. I mean, and and unfortunately, in our classrooms, if we're being observed at all, and you're allowing a child to sleep, or you're allowing a child not to be participating, the teacher gets written up for that. But sometimes right. that child needs to have a timeout because they need it for themselves. And the teacher's being gracious to say, I recognize that you need alone time or private time. And let me give it to you the best way I know how. You know, and well, and like, so. yeah, another interesting thing that just came up, which w- was this one, you know, of course, uh, we end up I end up having to read a lot about the the suicides of young people today, which now young people can express through social media that they're doing this because of bullying um, that, you know, this one case where there were these little incidents on the bus in different classes, but none of the teachers, none of the bus driver didn't report it because there were little incidents, you know. Yeah, but and, those little guys all these little up. incidents made a big thing, but everybody that saw them just thought they were just these little things. I want to come back to that on suicide just because uh, when I went into administration and then got promoted into central office, I was in charge of counselors for the district, and that's one of the things mm-hmm. we had to deal with. But I... I want to get to your name because this is our part of our program where we get to do that. So uh, may I proceed and interpret your name? Sure. Okay. So Alan's name indicates that he's a workaholic, but he can be quite the couch potato when he wants to be. It's like one extreme or the other. And once he's down for the count, it's like, "Eh, no, he's not getting up. Okay. (laughs) He's here to make the world a better place. So if you lend him something, it'll come back in better shape than when you gave it to him. Okay, and the combinations in his last name indicate that it was being around his family that caused him to be sensitive and very much aware of how other people felt. And his family also gave him cause for him to want to be included and not to be left out. So when I say that that's caused by family, it means that it was either so apparent or it was so absent. So one extreme or the other would cause a child to say, oh, this is necessary in my life. Okay. And your name is interesting because it says you were born with self-confidence and then you lost it and you had to regain it. And we'll discuss how that shows up in your name um, at the end of the show so that if anybody else has that in their name, they'll know that that's that what, what happens. Um, Alan, your name also indicates that you were taught as a child that you needed to be able to learn from others and that an education was important. And you have a fabulous memory, by the way. And you're highly skilled in the organizational department. So it's easy for others to follow your organizational style, okay, and your methodologies. So that's some of what your name says. That's that's some scary stuff. Okay, that's like, you know, that's fortune teller type stuff. Um, (laughs) It's just patterns. The first thing that came out of your mouth is, you know, led me to the next thing I was going to say is, you know, not only have I just discovered that I'm highly sensitive, but I'm also trying to, you know, there's 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 a movement that I feel needs to happen, which is ditching the label. And what do I mean by that? I'm an introverted extrovert. So this this is the new thing, and that's a real thing. Again, you can look it up, see the studies on it. So I'm an introverted. You know, everyone thinks I'm extroverted, but I need I need my quiet time. I need my couch potato time. <laughs> you know? So so while I do love to work hard. Um, then I have to take a break. You know, yeah, like if I go that. give a speech in front of people about bullying, 
then I'm going to go sit in a room by myself for a while. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't, and, and, and again, that was another interesting thing that I'm like, how can I be like this? You know, everyone thinks I'm extroverted, but I don't feel that way. And it's because, you know, the label is, it's wrong. Well, you your name both. also says that you help keep the bookstores in business because you're reading a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And anyway, names give us so much information. Um, What's interesting about your name is it says you don't have to be the one in charge, but you need to work for somebody who's competent because if not, you'll take over because the job has to get done. (laughs) I mean, there's, there's, you know, and that, and that you self-sacrifice for the good of others. That's also in there. Yeah. But, yeah, martyrdom. Yeah, I love being a martyr. <laughs> um, but but also also I'm really known as a loyal lieutenant. I don't I don't want to be the leader, but I love being the loyal lieutenant, the second in charge. Yes, because that, they're so- the ones who do everything. You know, the the person in charge is just kind of overseeing everything, but the the other person actually works with the people, and that's what I like to do. The the lieutenant's the actual. You know, if you, if you think about it in military terms, they're the ones with the the people on the ground talking to them and, you know. Yeah, that's, that shows out. up in your first vowel of an A, by the way. Everybody who has a first mm. vowel of an A are the ones that are the worker bees behind the throne. Yeah. You know, they're the ones that get everything and, and, done. And, and, and the so, family stuff, I mean, I, I actually, to write my memoir, I had to confront my mother, <laughs> which... Uh, you know, I, I come from a Jewish family, so that's not always very easy to confront your mother. Um, and because she had created perfectionist mentalities out of her daughter and I. Okay, you got to so hold on. Hold that thought sister. for us. <laughs> okay, we need to take another break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. You're listening to XZBN.net, and X-Zone radio station. This show is dedicated to recovering from being bullied. After the break, we're going to find out having been bullied can affect a person's life for years to come. Stay tuned. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. 
Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365 Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, After the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Our guest tonight is Alan Eisenberg, who assists individuals recovering from having been bullied. His website is bullyingrecovery.org. Again, that's bullying, so it's B-U-L-L-Y-I-N-G, recovery, R-E-C-O-V-E-R-Y, dot org. So it's important to remember it's a dot org, not a dot com. Okay, right before the break, you were telling us that you finally confronted your mom. And it caused me to think about when one of my friends was leaving her house as I was coming in to see her. I'd been out of town and she was so pleased with herself. She had this huge smirk on her face. And I said, wow, you must have just done something wonderful. And she said, can you believe it? I'm 49. And I finally stood up to my mother. And she goes, can you believe it? It took me 49 years. And my reaction was, well, thank God it didn't take you 50. <laughs> so, so It almost took me as long, but not quite. <laughs> yeah, so you had that same thing. You finally got to stand up to your mom. And I, I think there's a lot of houses or a lot of households um, based on different reasons that where the parents very dominant or very domineering where it does take a lot of courage to stand up to a parent because you've had the repercussions your whole life. 
you know, so that's mm-hmm. always a great thing. Okay, so I want to go on with have all these questions I want to ask. So, Alan, what are the worst cases of bullying? Do they occur at home or do they occur at school? I really, you know, I think they can, uh, right now, we're, we're seeing cases at, at home. I'm studying cases at school and I'm studying cases in family. Familial bullying is becoming a huge topic now in being studied. So your, your, your last comment is, is very real. You know, when we talk about confronting family, I know people that haven't talked to their family in, in 40 years, you know, because yeah. they were bullied by their family. So so here's here's the way I see it. I, I mean, I, I focus on youth because that's what I experienced. Um, and I know a lot of, you know, now I know a lot of colleagues in the, in the world. Some study, you know, some focus on workplace, some focus on familial. But the reason that I focus on youth is because I think that the early intervention is what is missing. And it's really about the holistic solution. You know, what we, what we have a problem now is that schools are really on a check-the-box mentality. They're being told that bullying is a problem. You know, it's very public out there. And they have, to, they have a, a little bit of budget to bring a speaker in to talk about bullying. And, you know, I know at my school or my kid's school, it was like the be cool dude guy. You know, be cool to everybody, dude. That's you know what, not though? The I, I look at that from maybe a different point of view simply because I've had 40 years in the educational system. And I look at that as a teacher these days is a parent, is a counselor, is a teacher, is, is I mean, we, they have to play so many different roles. And then sometimes their own, and it's getting more and more in different schools, their own paycheck and whether they get a bonus or not is totally dependent on how well those kids test. So more mm-hmm. and more they're teaching to the test instead of teaching rational thinking or deductive thinking or whatever because they have to get these kids to test well because that's what gets reported to the public and whether they think that school's doing a good job or not. And when you... And, and then we have the pressure. you know, Then, then, then that's creating the pressure on the kids that, that wasn't there before as well. Correct. You know, when I went to school, there weren't all these tests. There weren't SOLs and you know all of these things you had to get through. And, and then there's this expectation I live in, and, you know, affluent Washington, D.C., and every every kid's supposed to go to college. Well, the truth of the matter is, in the country, forty percent of kids go to college. <laughs> well, but the truth is too is that too many kids go to college. If you want to right, look at it, right. because then they can't yeah. get the jobs that are supposed to pay them high enough that they can pay back those bills from college, and they end up being you know in debt for so much of their life. I mean, and you can go to a, a vocational school and come out and earn a lot more money than you can unless you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. And, yeah, and there there are jobs that it's need here. to be filled that that are not the jobs that need it for you. So one of my sons is an is an EMT in an emergency room, at the hospital. He saves lives every day. You know, and what if he wasn't around? <laughs> what if what if yeah. you know, he he went and went to a two year school, got got his vocational in EMT. He'll, he's going to go back and become a nurse. But you know that's the path he took. And we need and, we need him. Yeah, he and lives. the very first time I was hired as an administrator was at a at a public high school that had a vocational section, and I loved it. 
And I thought, what's wrong with the rest of these high schools and all these schools? But that's a whole other conversation. I want to know, when you're working with people, what kind of bullying have you found to be the hardest from which to recover? So, so again, I think it's really the the youth side of it because I think a lot of the other ones, like a workplace bullying, is a continuation of bullying usually from a, a youth because we know that the 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 percentage of youth being bullied is statistically outrageous, and then the damage that comes from it. So, what again, you know, where where I focus, and it's not that I'm putting down. Um, you know, these speakers who come in to talk about anti-bullying or bystander awareness or all these things, is that's only half the holistic solution. And unfortunately, the other half is when someone is victimized, that how, how, the, how, they, how they are then getting treated afterward, how, what, what is happening in the school. And, and even though we talk, you, you talk about oh, it being overwhelming, it becomes really critical that at that moment, you know, if, if I if I was a little young kid and I come to someone and I say I'm being bullied, that it's handled correctly. And that and, may mean, you know, that it's handled outside of the school because the school may not be equipped to handle it. And that's OK. Well, there's a lot of programs now that are going into different schools that are attempting to teach children how to stand up for other children and the effects of bullying and that even if you want to bully, what that means is going on in your life and to come get counseling help. Um, yeah. I think what sometimes is missing is time for compassion, even though the majority of teachers are in that field because they're very compassionate people um, with all the pressures being put on them. But the other thing that I have seen as being both an administrator and a teacher over the years is that if a child sometimes wants to get another child in trouble, they will come and report that kid was bullying them when it didn't happen. And so yeah, I mean, there's, 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 there's a, you know, yeah. and, and so adults are being put in a place of we always respond with a report. And it's really sad when a child makes it up. Well, and, and this is, you know, not wanting to get too far down the rabbit hole on the Me Too movement. It's the same, it's the same problem we're, we're seeing a little bit. I always equate the, the victimization and the re-victimization of, of youth who are bullied, um, which, we, which we've seen a lot of and I, I experienced a lot of, um, as the same thing. So, you know... I, I, I talk about it from like a rate, a rate point of view. If, if I'm a college age student, I, I'm not rep- women. We know they're not reporting rape. Why aren't they reporting rape? Well, cause they were, you know, at a fraternity party drinking in a short skirt and they were flirting with a guy and all that's going to come out and they're going to, you know, look bad. And I, and I can't tell you how many times I was told, you know, why, why don't you just change so that the bullies don't affect you? <laughs> Uh, you know, it, that that doesn't happen. I mean, I've I've been in work situations where supervisors have attempted to bully me, like a principal would bully the teachers. And I grew up in a very well-to-do school where there were so many bullies that my oldest sister would come practice with me in the bathroom on what do you do if you're bullied this way and what do you do if you're bullied that way and if this happens, mm-hmm. what do you do? And, and my mother used to say, why can't you two girls get along? And she didn't realize that my sister was practicing with me so that I would have mm-hmm. automatic responses not to get bullied. And I thought everybody needs to go through that training. Um, <laughs> but how many adults 
are bullied at work and, and what can they do if they're desperate for that job? So, so the, that's the, the critical thing that you're saying is the desperate for the job. So when, when we get to adults bullied at work, you know, the, the percentages um, are, are still being studied a little bit. You know, we're, we're seeing about 30, you know, somewhere around 30%. But the problem is that it's the job. And you have to have the salary, you know, at the point at the point that you're working, let's say, you know, I've been working and now I live this lifestyle. I have a house. I have two kids. I have this. And now I need to bring a paycheck home. Well, that's a different pressure than than the youth were feeling. Right. And that's a very stuck place. So actually, you know, going back to suicidality, the highest levels of suicide are actually in the in the middle age range. <laughs> The only reason we hear so much about youth suicide is because from a percentage standpoint, youth don't die of other things so much. So it's a higher percentage, but the highest percentage of, of suicidality is actually in the, in the middle age is the 35 to about 45 age range. You know, that is really scary. And I think different cultures have different rates of suicide. I know that when I was teaching in Japan, the number oh, of yeah. children that committed suicide was just astounding to me. Okay, we need to well, take our last to. break. Stay tuned and know the name, know the genius in you on xzbn.net and Exxon radio station and knowthename.com. After the break, we're going to find out what Alan Eisenberg has in his name that has assisted him that you just might have in your name as well. One of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce, is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the Exxon Radio Show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201 934-8986 934-8986 or Skype at Elizabeth.Joyce And for more information you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. 
Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Our guest tonight is Alan Eisenberg, who assists individuals recovering after they've been bullied. His website is bullyingrecovery.org. Now, Alan's taken his skills to a level where he's able to successfully assist others in recovering from having been bullied, which is such a needed thing in today's world. Alan, you wrote a book, A Ladder in the Dark. Tell us about that mm-hmm. book and what was your goal in writing it? What did you want to accomplish? What did you want to share? Why did you write it? Well, it had been a book I was working on in my mind for a while, but I always said I had two acts of, of a three-act book, and <laughs> the last act was recovery. And I didn't have that until actually I was about 42, uh, which is only about five, six years ago. So... I really wanted people to hear the story and go through my experience to understand that there is a path out. So that was sort of my, my point. Now everybody's path is a little different, but I wanted to make sure I told the story of what happened to me, the after effects of it, and then how I, how I came through a recovery program to, to recover from it. Do you think a lot of people that are bullied at home are then emit something in their org field or their behavior or whatever you want to in their energy that somehow then those same kids are the ones that are bullied at school or become the bullies at school? Mostly they've become the bully at bullies at school. And this has been studied um, that the two, the two biggest influences of, of a child becoming a bully are that they are abused at home or ignored at home. So it's, it's polar opposites but it's the same effect that they, that they're, they're longing for attention that they're not getting at home or the wrong, they're getting the wrong attention. So they, they typically are the ones who will fall into the bully range. In your uh, a ladder in the dark, how is that book different from other books that address the topic of bullying? Well, what I, what I had found was, and I had read a lot, as you said, I'm a reader. So, I had read a lot of other other people's books, and a lot of them are about I was bullied and it sucks. 
<laughs> and I knew that's not what I wanted to do. And and so I wanted to, to tell, like I said, the third act, that there is a recovery and that it does cause damage, long-term damage, and that, you know, ultimately that has to be dealt with. And you, it's a personal journey that everybody who deals with the after effects, what's now known as complex PTSD, are are going to have to figure out how to go through and, and get out the other side so that they can live the life that they want to live. So if I'm understanding you correctly, literally when a child is being bullied, it literally can affect them their entire life. Oh, yeah. There's there's people who've ha- I mean, there, there's people in studies who haven't left their house full of anxiety, full of fear. People don't get married. They don't have friends. They they fear crowds. They fear people. And everything that you know about PTSD is what happens in the world of bullying and abuse victims. So so people who are sensitive to that, like myself, were dealing with the ramifications of what happened to them as youth for, yeah, if they don't get help, it could be the rest of their lives. Oh, that is so sad. So your other yeah. book is Crossing the Line. So talk yeah. to us about that book. So so this one I, was, was my fictional uh, story, and, and it is... I, I write on it. It's a cautionary tale, and it really is meant for uh, the tween, teen audience and and older. And it's really about the extremes. What, what I see are the two extremes of bullying. One is, you know, it leads to suicide, and the other one that that's less talked about is it leads to bullying victims bringing weapons to school and sometimes using those weapons. And I. I always say it's a very thin line, you know, which choice gets made. So I wanted to write a book based on research and based on true fact stories that looked at both sides, looked at uh, it's it's four care. It's a four character story. Every chapter is another piece of the character story. Of course, they all come together. But one of them is going to go into school, go into a school and with a gun and use it. Uh, And the other one is going, you know, to go down the suicide side of it and it's really about how that how all that played out why it played out and you know this is what it can lead to these are the ultimate uh damages that can happen to bullying victims now i want to say i have been in education for 40 years as an administrator and a teacher and i have dealt with a child shooting another child right as i exited my office into the hallway so it was right there Mm -hmm and having to deal with that, and a teacher committing suicide, which then, of course, mm. it was very popular, set off the school and what we had to do. And, and you know, I look at what our schools are handling today, and it's just a, a crazy amount of things. And it's interesting that if we could just catch bullying early and and, and meet the needs of those children, then maybe a lot of this other stuff would be reduced or wouldn't happen. You know, yeah, and that's um, really, I think that's really what, what I'm saying is I, you know, I, I, I did the other part I studied was sociology. So I always think of societal things and, and how this is really what we're talking about is a societal thing. You know, when, when a kid goes into a school with a gun and, and kills one or several other children due to bullying, that affects more than just that kid who was bullied. Oh, um, the suicide it, does too. You know, we know that. Uh, right, it, it affects, affects everybody. Kids. Yeah, I mean, it damages the school. I at my old alma mater, in one year, three kids committed suicide, all due to some form of bullying. 
I mean, well, that school, <laughs> yeah, had to deal with a lot that year. And you know, we lose kids anyway. Um, mm-hmm. it, when I've been teaching school, about every other year, we will lose a child for death other than suicide. And so it's it's difficult for all the children to deal with it when, when something like that happens with a child. Okay, I want to keep going. You have a daily online paper that's titled The Bullying Recovery Times. So what mm-hmm. does that cover and how do people subscribe if they want to receive your online paper? Well, all of it is on my website. Um, the Bullying Recovery Times is actually uh, a uh, aggregated paper, almost like going to Yahoo News that looks at the two major subjects that, that it covers is bullying stories going on and anxiety, because I, I think they go hand in hand. And so what, what the paper does, I don't, I don't really come up and research the stories. It, it goes out and finds them. Like I said, it's an aggregator like um, Yahoo News or anything, and, and it presents those stories uh, in, in paper form, you know, like a okay. newspaper type form. And so people can go on my website and uh, go to my my uh, my site that's called the Bullying Recovery Times and read it. Okay. Now talk to us really briefly about your bi-monthly podcast. So yeah, so for the podcast, I you know I do two things. One, I have a weekly blog um, on a subject around bullying, and then the podcast is really about healthy you. It's called Healthy You, which is my coaching program. And it's really, while it does have bullying subjects, I'm, it's more about trying to start to live a healthier life. When you're finding, finding that small changes in your life, or sometimes big changes, can, can make you healthier, can help make you live a better life. And really, you know, my, my life had to take a 180 turn in order for me to get better. But now, with all that in mind, uh, you know, most of my guests come in and we, and we talk about subjects about how sort of how to overcome maybe some of the things that are limiting you from living a healthier life or, or techniques to, to start adapting, you know, whether it's mindfulness. I'm a really big mindfulness person and uh, healthy eating, you know, how that affects what you put in your gut, how, how that affects the release of chemicals, all of these subjects that I don't think we talk about enough empathy, another big one I like to talk about. Um, and really what, what all that means in the, in the world of health and how you can be healthier, how you can help yourself. In 30 seconds or less, what would you like? How would you summarize what you'd like everybody that's listening to this podcast to take away from your interview? I think the big thing is that it isn't, kids being kids. It isn't something that people get over. You know, those are old, old schools of thought. And that what we know now, what we've learned since the studies started happening in 2010, and there are great amounts of studies out there, um, is that there is long-term damage from bullying that people grow up with, as we discussed, could be the rest of their lives if they don't get help. And that's why I do what I do is to try to get that out there and help as many people as I can to get past. I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing all of your knowledge and providing a resource 
for people to be able to go to. Thank you so much, Alan. Okay, guys, you want to be prepared and surprised and very pleased when you experience Alan Eisenberg's work. His website, again, is www.bullyingrecovery.org. Alan was born with self-confidence, lost it along the way, and then had to regain it. Being born with self-confidence and then losing it is represented by the letter combinations of L-A, right next to each other, first an L, then an A. When a person regains their self-confidence, it's shown by the following letters, whether they'll do it or not. If you have an L-A combination, in that order, because reversing the letter combinations changes the meanings, then you too may need to regain your self-confidence somewhere along the way after you've lost it. Do you know where your genius lies? I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, host of the radio show, Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard every weekday at various hours right here on XZBN.net radio and Exxon radio station and on knowthename.com. Tune in to hear the fascinating ways other people have discovered the genius in themselves and what they were able to accomplish. If you wish to know more on how to read a person's name, please visit knowthename.com and you can schedule an appointment with me, your host, by visiting knowthename.com. This is Sharon Lynn Wyeth signing off. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. 
He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464. I've been riding a motorcycle for 52 years. I started having back pain that turned into a knee pain. I couldn't even sit on the motorcycle. I was like, oh man, am I going to have to give up riding bikes? Kaiser Permanente, they decided I needed a hip replacement. So I was going to do it through outpatient surgery. <laughs> Panned out great. Recovered overnight. Was home by 11 o'clock the next morning. I'm glad I made the choice for Kaiser Permanente. I'm enjoying life. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan in the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101, East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852.